You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, it is winter. It is the middle of January, and it is 40 degrees outside. Now, that's a problem. I'll tell you why. Because you see, um, I like to go north with my family on our midwinter break, and we need snow. You can't go to northern Michigan in 40-degree weather. Like, you're not going to the beach, right? So you want to go snowmobiling and sledding and, and hiking through the snow. And right now, we have an itty-bitty problem because there ain't no snow outside. So we're working on this problem. Well, we can't really work on it. We can hope and pray. And supposedly next week there might be some snow. But right now, winter is not cooperating. Even though I know most of you would rather it be warm. You want warm, go down to Florida. But okay. In any case, these, what we need to talk about today, of course, is a country where the weather is way, way hotter. Way, oh, that's better. Okay, way, way hotter. That, of course, will be Egypt, and we're going to talk about it. But before we get there, of course, as always, to all my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I need your help. To help the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage, hit that donate button, leave a name, we'll give shout-outs, a memory of, happy birthday, whatever you'd like, and in advance, of course, I do thank you. So for this week's Torah portion, I think the topic is mothers. We're going to talk mothers, because mothers play a very, very important role in the whole story of Exodus, though from, I want to say beginning to end, but beginning, in the beginning, getting us where we need to go. So let's start with the, with the beginning of the Torah portion, but let, where our focus today is we want to talk about mothers. Torah portion starts. This is the new book. This is the book of Exodus. We get a repeat of the 12 tribes that came down and the 70 soul and everybody has died. And the city, the area they're living in called Goshen is too squashy. It's, it's like a ghetto. It is a ghetto. And they want out. So people start moving out. And God does not want the Jewish people to assimilate amongst the Egyptians and basically become Egyptian. So God makes it that the Egyptians will hate the Jewish people because if they don't hate us, we'll assimilate. God says, let them hate you, let them make you suffer, but my goal is no assimilation. Or at least no no total assimilation. In this hatred situation, we have... Let's see, that's a little better. In that assimilation situation, 
um, we have the Pharaoh is is going to change the status quo. The Medrash says the Egyptians came to Pharaoh and said, these Jews, we got to get rid of them. We got to do something. So Pharaoh starts out and says, I can't do anything. You know, come on, their great-great-grandfather Joseph, he made us into a world power. What kind of gratitude is that? So I don't know exactly how this works in Egypt, but they fired the Pharaoh. They fired him. Three months later, Pharaoh comes back and says, uh, I want my job back. And they said, but you like Joseph. And Pharaoh says, Joseph, never heard of him. So they now have to create plans how they will destroy the Jewish people or, or slow down their rate of growth. And this, again, is debatable. Were they looking just to kill Moses? Were they looking to kill the entire Jewish people? Were they looking just to slow down the growth rate so that there'd be some Jews around, but not like, not the explosion of people being born? So they come up with three plans. And all three plans, by the way, um, the Jewish mothers play an integral role in saving the Jewish people. It's not the men that are saving the Jewish people. It's actually the women that are saving the Jewish people. So what was plan number one? Plan number one was to trick the Jews to start working. Once they got them to start building cities, the soldiers would come out, and now you have slaves. So it's interesting. I told my class um, two weeks ago in the Torah portion in Vayigash, when the Egyptians are starving and they have no money and no animals and no way to pay for food, so they tell Joseph... We want to be slaves. And Joseph says, I don't want you as slaves. I want your land. Give me your land. If you want to work your land, the deal is, and in a way it was, Nachmanides says this, it was with kindness. Joseph says, you keep 80% and the tax is 20%, which is a pretty good tax rate if you think about it. So the people said, fine, you have our land, you'll give us seeds, we'll plant, we'll work. So my class asked me, like, why shouldn't Joseph take them as slaves? And I explained to my class, I said, how do you force a slave to work? Right? In other words, you're feeding him, you're clothing him, he is your slave, he does some work, you want more work from him. How are you going to get them more work? So the class said, oh, you'll get uh, policemen and soldiers and they'll beat them. I said, how many policemen are you going to need? How many soldiers are you going to need to force the slaves to work? And every policeman and every soldier you're paying, right? So you need an army of people to get your slaves to work. Wouldn't it be better if I encourage the people to work? I'm still making profit. And as a matter of fact, the harder the person works, the more money I make because I'm taking 20%. Yeah, if the guy's lazy and doesn't work, so I don't give him land, he'll starve, and eh, everybody else will learn their lesson. That's way cheaper than hiring all kinds of soldiers and policemen that I'm going to have to pay to enforce. So in the case with Joseph and the Egyptians, he doesn't want an army to enforce. He just wants to make money. You just want to make money. Let's find a good way. We call it capitalism. Let's find a good way to encourage the slaves to, the not slaves, but to encourage the Egyptians to work. I'll make money and I don't have to police them. Very, very good. 
I said, but in this week's Torah portion, in Shemos, in Exodus, the goal was not, the goal was not to get the Jews to be slaves to build cities. Okay, that's a side benefit. The goal was to enslave the Jewish people. Oh, if your goal, if that's your goal, to make the Jews into slaves, okay, you need an army to enforce this slavery because you're not looking to make any money. You're just looking to have slaves. Okay, we need policemen, we need an army, we need the whips, we need whatever it takes. Now, even though the men were slaves, the women, it seems, were not. That was like an unheard of thing, probably, that the women should be bricklayers. Probably. Not clear, but for our purposes, that's good enough. The point being, they're going to work so hard, they're not going to want to have families. They're not going to want to be with their wives. They're just exhausted. They'll sleep in the fields, work day, sleep night. That's it. That's life. And the Jewish people will slowly, slowly disappear. And that was an excellent plan. And the truth is that plan should have worked. Except for the Jewish mothers. The Jewish women said we are not allowing this plan of Pharaoh to destroy the Jewish people. So what they do? They got themselves all dressed up and all pretty and all makeup and all however they should look to entice their husbands. And they went and they and they got water to bathe their husbands in the field and they got fish to feed their husbands and they enticed their husbands to stay married, do what married people do, and to continue to have children. So as good as the Pharaoh's plan was, but the Jewish ladies were way smarter and they kept the Jewish people going. So the salvation, the continuation, the continuity of the Jewish nation is only because of the women, not the men. The men were slaves. They gave up. It was the women that convinced the men not to give up, and they made it all possible. So in part one of the story, it is the valor, it is the... It is the thought process, it is the understanding, the brilliance of the Jewish women to make sure their husbands wanted to keep going, to keep the Jewish people going only because of the women. So clearly, the survival of the Jewish nation is only because of women. Even though they knew any boy they're going to have is going to end up being a slave. Who knows what's going to happen to him? But this is what was necessary, and this is what the Jewish women did. Okay? So part one of Pharaoh's plan fails. Now, it may fail... It doesn't accomplish. You know, there was a goal, right? You, you, imagine you made yourself a, a building company, right? And the goal is to make money. And instead, you're building buildings, but you're losing money, right? So you close down the company. Like, what? what is, I don't want a company to build buildings. I want a company to make money. If I don't make money, we shut down the company. It's not working. And if I'm making a few dollars, all my time to make a few dollars to break even, that is not why I opened up a construction company. I'm not making real money. I'm done. Shut it down. So really, really, the Pharaoh's plan failed. So why are you keeping them as slaves? As your whole goal was that there shouldn't be a continued growth of the Jewish nation. It's not working. The more you try to squash the growth, the growth is exploding exponentially. It's not working. Okay, but once I have slaves, and even though it's costing me because I need all these soldiers to keep them as slaves, and 
uh, half the work they're doing is of no value. But they wanted to keep them as slaves. They did not shut down the company. Plan two. Plan two sounds terrible. When I explain it to my class, like, they can't even fathom it. But unfortunately, you just have to read the news. Plan two, very, very simple. Nowadays, I mean, it seems to be prevalent. Plan two was to have the midwives kill the baby boys before they were born. Basically, a forced abortion. When they could tell it was going to be a boy, however they could tell, maybe right at the birth, the midwives are going to kill the baby boy. So most of us look at that and say, what? No way. I would hope. But the truth is, you look what's happening in this country for sure. Not such a crazy idea. We don't want babies, we kill them. Nothing wrong. So Pharaoh says, we don't want all the baby boys, so kill them. Like Nowadays, this should be a very, very understandable plan. And really, really, the midwives should have done it. Like, why not? There's lots of doctors out there and nurses that have no problem. Should had to see the all the advertisements going on. However, they clothe the advertisement. It's my body, and, and what about in the rape and incest? And I don't even want to go there for the few exceptions. You want to make exceptions? Make exceptions. But you use the exceptions as the excuse to for everybody else, right? We lose focus a little bit. We we harp on the exceptions. You want to make exceptions? Okay, at least let's let's fix most of the situation. No, we're gonna say because of the exception, therefore it's got to be open season and and kill all those babies. Okay, you obviously know where I'm coming from. But in any case, so what happens? So the Pharaoh is telling the midwives, you're going to kill the baby boys. And again, in, in a liberal culture, makes a lot of sense. No reason not to. What are you afraid of? Like, who cares? So the question is, why didn't the midwives kill the babies? A very interesting reason. And I guess the only reason. The only reason the midwives did not kill the babies, the verse says, is because they feared God. That's all there is to it. If, if you don't fear God, there's really no reason. Why, why shouldn't you do abortion? Why should you kill anybody? Right? It, it, it's only because a person fears God, now I can understand why they wouldn't kill the babies. So the midwives, but again, these are the mothers. right? This is Yocheved. This is Miriam. Some say Zalishava. Those are the head midwives, but the midwives were praying for the children, feeding the children, bringing them clothes. They were doing everything they could, <clears throat> doing everything they could to save the babies. So again, even though really, really we can understand this plan of Pharaoh, but the Jewish women said, no deal. Now, interesting enough, it, it really depends how you look at the verses. Pharaoh calls in the midwives, however much longer, let's say a year later, it says, well, what's going on? I, I gave you a job. I told you you got to kill the babies. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. Um, it's, why is it not working? Why are all these babies alive? So the midwife said, and they have to know, are they just giving an excuse, just a push-off, or is it real? So the midwife said, you know, the Jewish women are not like the Egyptian uh, women. 
they themselves are experts. The bottom line is they're not calling us in. They're not calling us in to do our job as midwives. They give birth without us. Now, it is possible, there is an explanation that says that once the mothers got wind that there was a edict from the king, from the pharaoh, that the midwives were supposed to kill the babies, I'm not letting you into my house. You are, you are not coming to help me deliver because you're going to kill my baby. So again, it's all the mothers. Okay? The mothers are the ones that are keeping the Jewish people going. Or it was a good excuse, but it was a total lie. And really the midwives went and they helped the babies give birth and they prayed for the babies to give birth. And very interesting, it says the reward, the, the verse says, God rewarded the midwives, the Jewish people increased, and he built for them houses. So really it's out of order. Like the, the babies increasing is very beautiful. What does that have to do with the reward? So it says, if I pray for something and I pray amazing and God says I deserve that my prayers answered, my reward is that my prayers were answered. That, that is the greatest reward you can give me. So yes, the midwives pray that the baby should live. Okay, God answers their prayer. That's the biggest reward. Okay, and the fact of the matter is you prayed so amazing, you, you deserve a reward for praying so good. So then it says God made them houses. Houses doesn't mean physical palaces. Houses means families. Throughout the Torah, whenever it says houses, houses means families. And therefore, they benefited to have families of Kohanim, priests, Levites, and kings. All three come from Yocheved and Miriam. They get all three. Fine. Now, even the third plan, the third plan was basically just throw every baby boy in the river. So the Jewish women could have said, and the fact is that Amram actually said it, that Amram said, let's just not be married anymore. I'm the leader. If I divorce, everybody divorces, no more kids, force God's hand. So on the men's side, they said, that's it, no more kids. <laughs> the women uh, went along as long as Amram had this edict. But once his daughter Miriam said that uh, you're playing God, Right? You're worse than Pharaoh because your decree for sure works. Pharaoh's decree, no guarantee. So they got remarried. But the women were all on board. My job, I have to have the children. What happens afterwards is God's problem. So one of the, um, the explanations, it says in the Haggadah that we grew like grass in the field. So the Medri says, what does it mean we grew like grass in the field? Growing like grass in the field means that the women knew that the Egyptians were going to kill their babies. So they said, God, I I'm doing my job. My job is to have the babies. You want to let the Egyptians kill them? It's not my problem. So they would actually go um, into the field, give birth under the trees, and leave the babies. And it says, angels came down. We killed through the whole story, but I I I'm not going to have time to get through the whole story. But, um, but the Medrash says, oh, maybe I have more time than I thought. But the Medrash says that... Um, that miraculously God took care of the babies. They sunk into the ground, the Egyptians plowed up the ground, and, and the babies grew, whatever you want with the Medrash. The point is that God took care, he had angels come down, take care of those babies, and they lived miraculously. Because the, the mother does her job. She, there's only so much the mother can do. She does her job. 
and, and we move on. She's doing her job. Once we're talking about women, there's, you know, we've recently had very, you know, in the holiday season, we have uh, all kinds of Jewish women that that stand up for God. You have uh, you have the story of the Khan and her seven sons that um, that the king wanted her sons to bow down to the idol, and one after another they got executed. They didn't listen, and the king says to the youngest one, "Go to your mother. Maybe she'll tell you what to do." And the mother tells the youngest child, when you go up to God, say, I'm better than Abraham. Abraham was willing to give up one child. I gave up seven. Or you have Yehudas. There's another story in Hanukkah. They had a certain uh, law. I always forget the Roman or Latin word. But it basically says that uh, the king or the general gets to sleep with every girl before she gets married. So Yehudas says, let me take care of this. She says, okay, I'm getting married. She goes out to the general and she brings with her cheese and wine or milk and she gives him to eat and he falls asleep and she takes an axe out of her sack and she chops his head off and puts it back into the bag and goes back and they stick it on a pole on the outside of the uh, of the uh, of the walls obviously the the army flees when they see the general's uh, head hanging by the wall you have the famous Devorah the prophetess Deborah Right, where she leads the charge against that uh, general of Sisera. But at the end of the day, so yes, I can show you multiple stories throughout the Torah of the important place that women have in keeping the Jewish nation alive and moving the Jewish nation along. But at the end of the day, I've been telling my classes a lot recently, Every person has his job, every person has his skills, every person has his talents, and God wants us all to use our talents. Whatever those talents are, if my talents are to be out there in the world, be out there in the world. If my talents are to be taken care of by children, that is something to be applauded, something to be lifted up. The problem is that we live in a, in a world that does not applaud a mother who raises normal children. I'm a teacher. I see all kinds of children out there. And you can tell it's un- you can tell when unfortunately you have those children that that are not raised in a in a stable home, right? There's there's automatically difficulties. It's just life, but the world doesn't applaud the people uh, raising our children, but I do. One quick story. If I don't finish it now, I have to finish it later. But in any case, the story is told by uh, with Allah's Nanis. He was sent off to Siberia. And they came in and they told me, you know, you're going to be a painter. Painter's a pretty easy job instead of working the fields out in Siberia. And uh, one day he doesn't show for work. So the officer comes and says, Why, wh- where are you? Why aren't you working? Today's my Sabbath. I don't work on Sabbath. So you don't work on Sabbath? No problem. We're going to cut your food supply. You'll see. You'll get less food. We'll see. And it's getting hard. And one day he was, he was working in the commander's house, and he figured out that the wife seemed to be Jewish. I'm sure she was hiding it, but she looked Jewish. So he speaks to her in Yiddish, and she answers. And the wife approaches the husband, and the husband starts fighting with his wife. Don't get involved. It's none of your business. This is my job over here. You don't get involved in the Jewish prisoners. And the wife is saying, you're going to go to, she said, you're going to go to Gehenna, or you're going to go to hell. And the, the daughter is listening. She doesn't understand what this Gehenna is. She doesn't know anything Jewish. 
So the mother explains a little bit. The person dies. They go to heaven, go to hell. There's not too many choices. So the daughter approaches this painter, and she says, um, here's the deal. Um, I want to help you because I don't want to go to this Gehenim thing. Um, but if I help you, I get half your heaven. The guy says, you can have whatever you want. You help me survive, you win. So all of a sudden, there's no reason to start coming back. And one day the girl comes to him and says, um, you're going to be released in a few days. But remember, we made a deal that I get half your heaven. That She didn't know anything. But she took care of this person. The end was he, um, he was released, eventually moved to Israel. We don't really know what happened to this girl and her family because, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we love happy endings. But the truth is we don't know what happened. But the person telling over the story says, but she's getting half my heaven. She earned it. But here's the music. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you for all our wonderful spots and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you for the production team. We have um, Alan in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build